Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Mike Hayward, and he talks to us about coming to the U.S. from England when he got a job with the Ringling Brothers Circus, doing footwork for elephants, as well as training both elephants and chimps, and now what it's like running his farrier business. Hope you enjoy. Stable Connections is sponsored by Black Hound Equestrian. Kate Judiger and Morgan Kaplan offer an elite hunter-jumper program at a private facility on 68 acres in East Bay, California. At Black Hound Equestrian, you'll find Grand Prix jumpers, top-level hunters, and a team approach that ensures each horse and rider get the personalized attention they need to maximize their potential. Riders of all ages are welcome, and space is limited. Please visit blackhoundequestrian.com or email blackhoundstaff at gmail.com. Stable Connections is sponsored by Elk Grove Milling Incorporated, the trusted maker of Stable Mix Complete Feeds. Stable Mix products are available in most Western states through Tractor Supply, and their classic barrel program is available at your local California feed stores. Contact Stable Mix representatives at 916-684-2056 for personalized feeding recommendations on how to stretch your hay supply or provide complete nutrition to have a healthier, happier horse. Visit www.elkgrovemilling.com. in England and I came here when I was 21 years old. What influenced that move? I signed a contract with Ringling Brothers Barn and Bailey Circus. When I worked in England I was a zookeeper and uh, I worked in three different zoos, wildlife parks, safari parks. What were you doing specifically? Uh, specifically elephants uh, but I had two years of chimpanzees with the elephants. Um, I was one of the trainers and so I was hired by Ringling Brothers to come and take some young elephants out on the road and train them. And you enjoyed the elephants and the horses a little bit more than the other yeah, animals? Yeah, that, that was primarily what I wanted to, to do when I go there twice a week. Yeah. And so I asked my my counselor or college person, person <laughs> uh, if I could just do that and they, they let me do it. And from there I got a, a full-time job after my summer. Then that place was going to close down and I managed to get a, I went straight into another job at Woven Safari Park, okay. which they just imported three baby Asian elephants. And that's where I started to get into foot care okay. and that kind of stuff. And was there a school for that or you just kind of learned on your own? My boss would do some and so I kind of learned from him and then I was mainly the guy that just did. You figured it did, out. Did that. <laughs> yeah. And so then um, the problem with elephants in captivity is the number one killer of elephants in captivity is, is foot-related issues. Mm, like infection? Cracks, mm. abscesses, infections. Is it so because they're not wearing them down naturally? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like they're similar to horses, I guess, where like in the wild they're roaming and right. in captivity they're not. Yeah, I'm sure in the, in the wild the nails aren't as pretty as, as what. And so, yeah, then I worked at Whipsnade Wild Animal Park, which is the part of the Zoological Society of London. So that's the sister zoo to London Zoo. We did a lot of training and we and we did demonstrations for the public and, and that kind of stuff. 
so that was also a lot of fun. So I left high school and went to college when I was 16, 17. Is that the normal out uh -huh. there? Okay. Yeah. You can stay on for two more years, but okay. I chose to go to like a trade school, that kind of route. And then I came out, joined uh, Ringling. I lived in Florida for eight months. I was in, I was in charge of the, the mothers and the babies, which was certainly fun. I got to see an elephant born on my birthday. And with that, after after spending eight months at the, the Center for Elephant Conservation, I then took uh, two young elephants out to experience life mm. on the road, and I traveled for, for six years. And were you in the show as well, or uh -huh. just, you yep. were in the show? Uh, yeah, I was so a, you had the circus I was, life. I was a presenter, a trainer, a babysitter, I was. <laughs> what kind of costume was, did you get to wear? <laughs> every two years it changed. Um, there was sequins. So there was sequins, <laughs> what, did you have to wear makeup? No. No, okay. By choice, uh, or like, could you cho could you have chosen to wear makeup? <laughs> uh, if, if I wanted to, I, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. But uh, the sequence was more than enough. enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you stayed with elephants while uh -huh. with ringlings. And what was the hardest thing about that job? Uh, days off. Days off? <laughs> because you didn't know what to do with yourself? There was only a couple of us that could, that could be around all of the elephants. And with the, the younger ones that we had, we wanted to keep their training consistent so that the least amount of people would be better. And also the elephants, they're a little bit more difficult. They chose to have the people with the most experience to be around them. The elephants chose that? Kind of, yeah. They're just super <laughs> sensitive? It's almost like if you're, if you're not very good at walking a horse, don't walk the stallion kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, but if you have something that, that's savvy around animals, then it tends to work out a lot better that way. Yeah, how would you compare training an elephant to training a horse? I guess they're all different, I'm yeah, sure. It's, it's a lot more food orientated. Okay, and what do you feed them in terms of treats and stuff? Uh, their favorites were probably like loaves of bread. The whole loaf? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a treat? Yeah, they just <laughs> they eat, eat a whole loaf of bread in, in one go. Um, do they have a particular type of bread? Any. Any bread. A any bread. Ideally, it's the healthier stuff. Of course. <laughs> Not the white bread. <laughs> Maybe the the grainy ones. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was fun. We also did a lot of researchy type stuff while we were there. Okay. Uh, we did a lot of artificial insemination. So we'd x-ray, ultrasound, take blood once a week. Um, and you would specifically do that? Uh -huh. Cool. That's a cool thing yeah. to learn. And so we would travel by train. So when the train would leave one town and go to the next, I'd be with the elephants the whole time. So the elephants would be on the train as well? Yeah. Uh -huh. Is it, like, what does that look like in terms of, like, is there a trailer specifically for the elephants? There were, there were four, four elephant cars, one train car for, for the, the humans. horses. Oh, for the horses, okay. And the train all together with everything put together, because a lot of people lived on the train too. Um, it was a, over a mile long. Oh, wow. And it was the world's largest publicly owned train. It was publicly owned. Fascinating. This yeah. is all very fascinating. Did you at the time realize what a unique job this was? It was kind of like a, a dream of mine because all of the, the best elephant handlers, trainers, at some point worked for Ringling. So that was my, my goal and I achieved it. Traveled around America like six times. How many years 21? were you with uh, them? Six, six years, eight months. All the foot care and all, all of it. And I did some consultancy for 
a lot of care and I still do some now. I get sent a lot of pictures. Really? So. so with zoos and stuff? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. When looking back on that experience, would you have changed anything that you experienced with it? <laughs> um, no, I was, I was young and it was a good way to see America and I loved what I was doing. Um, yeah. Did you get to explore the different cities and stuff when you were? Slightly. More, more so in my last two years. Once I didn't renew my, my contract, you knew then that I you had, could go play? I had, yeah, <laughs> a, like, a little bit, but the responsibilities were, like, huge, so... Yeah, and what made you not renew your contract? I was just over-traveling. As I travel around the United States, I meet up with other farriers, and, and I go hang out, spend a day with them. So I, I got to meet some really, really cool people all across America. I know that I definitely do not want to shoe horses in Las Vegas, because it's a little warm. But yeah, it was... Uh, uh, I like a unique experience and then when I did move out to California I went to horseshoe in school and then started to work for for a guy and then started my own business and yeah then it's just been it's been that life since yeah yeah that's <laughs> it it's, gonna, it's very busy yeah so why did you choose California somebody said it was like 72 degrees all year round uh oh they, right now we're in a lied. heat wave they so totally <laughs> they did lie um i mean if you're in santa barbara yeah santa barbara stays like 80 ish most nice. of the year <laughs> so, gotta go a little more south <laughs> uh, so yeah i i like the area yeah and um, why san jose specifically when i come out here and spend some time with some farriers it was it was it seemed like a like a good good horse world so the horses that they had on the circus what type of horses and what did they do they had some trick riders um, some cossacks that would, mm, cool. that would do all, all those kind of tricks where they go around in circles and do acrobats and yeah and cossack specifically is this the one they're essentially in like a round pen like yes. a short round pen and they go in circle whereas trick riders they go straight yep so they yeah. go around around the circle and they have people a, a bit like vaulting I guess uh, but they do a lot more dangerous tricks so they go like under their belly as it's mm-hmm. like, cantering around the ring yep Cavalia had this uh, as well so yep. so Sylvia Zabini was on the show when I was there so I get to watch her train her Liberty Act and, and do that stuff so that was that was interesting and so when the farrier would come to do her horses I'd go help him I was like free help for the farrier Cool. That's so. yeah for you to learn. I mean, essentially, you're apprenticing, right? Yeah. Except nowadays, apprentices also get a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah. <fine. laughs> and then, um, you know, once I started my business out here and became quite successful, I I joined an organization called the American Association of Professional Farriers. Okay, that's no, different no. than get being a journeyman and that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a different. Um, it's more about uh, continuing education to keep your status you have to have so many hours of continuing education a year and that just looks like clinics and stuff yep we're required to have more ce than what the vet is a year oh wow i so that's kind of a good i mean not that it's a good thing to be more than a vet but like the feet are a huge part of whether it's a show horse or not like the feet play a huge part in the horses and a lot of vets unfortunately at vet schools they they don't get enough time studying the lower limb, so that's where that's where it's important for us. And especially like new vets, we can kind of help them along the way a little bit. I really enjoy working with vets and looking at X-rays. And yeah, that's something that I like to ask farriers often: is if you feel as though the vets 
the farriers, the body workers, if there is kind of a camaraderie or if you feel like there's kind of some turmoil sometimes there? I can only speak for myself, but yeah, I get on pretty much with, with most of the, the vets that, that we work with. Good communication is always key, but you have to have the the, the, the trainer, the owner, the vet and the farrier all kind of on the same page. That's the key for the best outcome for the horse, which is what we all, all want. If I get the opportunity to pick my team, then I'll, I'll try to do you that. Know, you mm -hmm. know who to pick. Absolutely. So do you remember your first few months of picking up farrier clients and what that was like for you? <laughs> yeah. When I started out, my prices were too low, so I got pretty busy pretty quick. But I had the, the clients that weren't particularly the, the best. Like mm -hmm. Not the best horses, not the best clients, not the best pay. Yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that because some farriers, like the other farriers locally might look at that and be like, he's trying to lowball just to get clients. Yeah. And then others are like, you know, he's lowballing because he's new and that makes sense. So there's like these two yeah. sides to that. But once you, it takes so long to get your prices up. If people call up and ask for a price, I know that I'm not their, their farrier. Right, like that's kind of how I feel. So I'm switching farriers soon because I'm moving to Lake County from right. Sonoma County and my farrier doesn't go up there. Luckily, I have referrals and stuff, right. but I didn't ask him how much he was because it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I'm using him do, for his reputation. Yeah. And yes, ho I'm hoping he's not $500 for a half shoeing, but... You know, if you want to pay five hundred dollars for a half shoe, I will. No, <laughs> no, I'm hoping he's not that. Um, and my farrier currently is really, really affordable, right. and so it's yeah. But I, I don't care what his price is. Like yeah. I, I want to use him because of his reputation, not because of the minimal mm. that he charges. Yeah. You know, and it does take a long time to get a uh, a good reputation. And the horse world is not farriers that are known to be flaky, not pick up the phone, not show up on time. Yep. Did you so. know that before becoming a farrier that that was the reputation of a farrier? Uh, yes. So what I aimed to do at the beginning of my business was to provide a service that no other farrier provided. Actually showing up when I said I was going to. And so are you still like that now with your clients? I don't meet very many of my clients. Hmm. I meet a lot of trainers. Um, you do a lot of show horses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, some clients I've never met. Right. So. Yeah. That get, happens. They, they get a bill and, and that's it. My schedule during show season, it is a little trickier. Do you go to the shows? Do you follow some clients to shows? I, I will go to a few of the shows. I try to schedule it so that they're done before they go to the, to the ones further away. Yeah. So. so aside from being reliable, scheduling, you know, keeping your mm -hmm. word, being communicative, what do you feel like made you stand out as a farrier? Uh, I think horsemanship is one thing that is really important for a farrier and working working with the, the elephants kind of gave me a little bit of an, an advantage because when I worked with the elephants I could put my my hand on them and I could I could feel what they were going to do next or where they were, if they were going to move this way or that way or so I think that kind of went into the horses as well. Yeah. yeah, just learning how to be super intuitive, it sounds yeah. like, and just being present. Yeah. Too, with an elephant, I feel like you have to be pretty present because they could very much hurt you. Yes. <laughs> Not on purpose. Yes. They seem very gentle, Some but... 
Some of them, it's some true. Them. <laughs> yeah, some not so much. Some of them are more people kind of People friendly. elephants. Yeah, and yeah. some are just like, just like some horses have like, they want to be around you and some horses just don't really care. Yeah. Did you, at the time when you were with the circus, deal with much like PETA uh -huh. stuff? Uh -huh. And how was that? Uh, they would they would watch me for 16, 18 hours a day. And then realize that you are a good person and treating them well? So, uh, yeah, they were, they were uh, pretty abusive, I would say. My last four years, I, I lived right behind where the elephants were housed at night. Like so, in a tent? Uh, they would be in a tent or inside a building. Okay. We only played um, large arenas. Okay. Like, um, in this area, it'd be like the Oracle or the mm. SAP Center. We didn't do anything smaller. Okay. Like, like we were in Madison Square Garden every year for like three weeks. Was it similar to Cavalia where you like put up a big white tent? Depending on the location, then yes, we would do that. But sometimes it'd be in buildings, you said. Uh-huh. Like the elephants would go into the buildings? Uh-huh. Fascinating. Yeah. But so they couldn't go to any second floors. Unless there was a ramp. <laughs> Unless there was a ramp, but also like I wonder like structurally if the buildings could all support that. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not. How much do they weigh? I think the largest one that we had I was in her mid-30s. She was a little on the chunky side. And she was around 13,400 pounds. You don't want that to step on you? I don't know. No. One of my toes doesn't quite bend like it used to. But because you got stepped on? Uh-huh. I feel like it would just completely yeah. smush it. Like even a horse you don't want to get stepped on because it doesn't feel I'd great. I'd say a horse is worse to get stood on. Oh. Because the elephants have like the whole Big. bottom of their foot is like a... It's like the same texture as a frog. Hmm, squishy. So it's a little squishy. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like a horse with a shoe that like, yeah. it's a flat surface. That makes sense. Yes, yeah, so I did get my toe broken in front of like 15,000 people. Did you just pretend like it didn't happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever get stage fright? Not really. Uh, sometimes when some of like the the major people in the in the industry would come to watch, it would be a little nerve wracking. Because you had like thousands of people in the crowd watching, mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah. But you were just so focused on what you were doing. But you, but you also had to present as well. So. Oh, you had to actually talk? Uh, no, I'd like the... Oh, like with your thing, gesturing, yes. with yes. your arms. Okay. That was new to me. So that that took a little bit of uh, getting used to. Wasn't, yeah. Wasn't my favorite thing. Like a, you had to like show off, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, where... Yeah, I feel like the training, you're not sitting there like, and then this, mm. with your yeah. hands gesturing. But, but the show was only, I think that the elephant only in the show for, I think the longest that any one elephant was in the show was I think six minutes, six minutes seconds. Fascinating. Did so you never worked with any of the other like predator animals? No, I got to play with like the baby tigers and baby lions and take them for walks and go in and play with them. I did get my picture taken inside the cage with like 12 male lions, which was probably the most scariest thing I've ever done in my life. It seems even just one um, would be a little intimidating. Yeah, and they're all on their, their little perches and they're like crouching down looking at you. Oh my like, God. Like you're a snack. No, thank you. So, like you're a snack. So I got, I got the picture taken and then I got out. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Oh. So yeah, all the animals had like the best hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing again with Cavalia and my ex I was a groom for Cavalia okay. for a little bit, which is why I bring them up. but. Pito would show up 
in on tour with us as well and then the tour director would invite them in and right. then they would go and tour the stables yep. and they'd see that the horses are all well taken care of and all of that and then they'd leave like every time yeah with running brothers we are inspected more than any other animal facility in the country why do you think that is uh each town we go to would have different animal control officers yeah so then once we arrive and they come in we walk them through we show them whatever they wanted to see and then that, that was it and a lot of them are just diehards and it doesn't matter what you show them they're never gonna agree with that right so you said you still work with some elephants do you want to talk about that i have a, a few friends that send me pictures of feet <laughs> and, I'll, and i'll just kind of comment on like what they should maybe try yeah and how do you do a, a elephant's feet like is it just a big rasp the, the same rasps that we use on horses. The foot stand that we would use is more like an axle stand. Okay. <laughs> like for a car? Uh -huh. Yep. We had cradles, but they were obviously huge. Like a foot wide. And the stands that they put their, because they're trained to put their, their foot on a stand, was probably like the same size as a dinner plate. And then, <laughs> and then you could round off their nails. And, and it's just so, I don't even know what an elephant foot looks like, but it's nails that you're uh -huh. filing. It's not the actual pad. Yep, the pads we do as well. The pads you do as well. Uh -huh. The important part of, uh, of training elephants, um, which more elephants are going into a protective contact system now where you can't go in with them, mm. which I think is a downfall for the husbandry side. So we would do the pads as well because they would get thrush and stuff like that. And um, crack, like you and, said. And cracks yep. and stuff. So we, we put their feet forward to trim their nails and round them off and You'd mm -hmm. always try to raise up the front of the nail so there was less pressure on it. Some of them would get like quarter cracks or toe cracks, abscesses, not that common, but that's because we were always on top of it. So I'd have the elephants on a six week schedule. So it would be a pretty hard week that week. So it's like a lot of rasping and then to trim their soles, we lay them down oh. and then we'd be on the ground. With them? With them laying down and we trim the bottom of their feet that way. Why couldn't you do it kind of how you do with the horses with bending it one uh, you at can, a time? You can with the uh, hind legs. Okay. You can put their legs out backwards uh -huh. and, and do that and they just stand there. But the uh, front legs don't bend up. that way? It's just way easier to lay them down. Mm. And would most of them be fine with laying down? Oh yeah, they're, they're all trained. Well, they were trained to do... How do you teach an elephant to lay down? Same as a horse? When you lift one leg and kind of like... Yeah, similar. Put their weight down? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Fascinating. Do you miss training the elephants sometimes? You did it for so long. Yeah, I, I miss some of the elephants. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't I don't think I'd go back to it. You did your time? Yeah, and I, th I think with horses, it's... As, as a farrier, we, we live on instant gratification. And so doing 10, 12, 14 horses a day, you get that feeling. So taking something that's not so pretty and making it look pretty is, is is good and having pride in your work and it's a lot of problem solving a lot, a lot of watching horses move watch them go the communication to try and get it moving a little bit of a puzzle what's something that you would want the common horse owner to know that maybe a lot of them don't know i would like to see more kids doing pony club and that kind of stuff i think the the horsemanship that we maybe used to see, you don't quite see as much now. A lot of the times it's, I show up to the barn, I jump on my horse, I give it back to the groom, 
and one time I, I was at a barn and I asked the girl, I was like, oh, we're done with your horse, um, where, where, where's the stall? And she couldn't even tell me where the horse's stall was. When I get here, the horse is tacked up and I jump on and then I give it back and, yeah. and I think that's... Lacking a bit. Yeah. yeah. And have you ever owned your own horse? <laughs> yes. I, I, once upon a time I had seven. Seven. And when was this? With my ex-wife. Quarter horses. I had a buckskin quarter horse. Quarter and boom. was this in California? Yep. We owned a, a branch, like a stables. So we house, I think, 74 horses at the, the busiest time. And seven were ours. Uh, two minis. <laughs> and the rest of quarter horses. I really love mini anything. Yeah. Um, Do you? <laughs> so, yeah. When working with elephants for that many years, now you love mini everything? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite mini things? Uh, mini donkeys. Okay. As long as they're nice. Yeah, well, yeah. Baby goats are like my favorite thing. Mini horses, always fun. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Do you like mini dogs? Um. Mini humans? <laughs> mini human. I like my son. He's a mini human. <laughs> he, he, he's a mini human. Yeah. And yeah, he's he still rides every Wednesday at his mom's. And how old yeah. is he? He's ten. I hope when he's older that he'll come work for me in the summer. It's a good trade to know how to do, and there's always somebody's horse that needs shoes. It's true. Yeah. Well, and he has you know someone related to him that can teach him you know it's hard yeah. sometimes if you're a farrier coming into this and you don't have a family member like it's not a generational thing and you have to kind of search that way his mom would be happy that <laughs> if he would do them instead of her paying somebody else that's true so <laughs> he's also because she has uh, a ranch and still has horses so his his allowance is helping his helping his mum to feed and Good, all that cool. kind of stuff. That's awesome. So he likes it. Yeah. I don't think it's his favorite thing, but it's a good way for him to, to learn responsibilities. When was your first time having your own apprentice? Probably a, about a year out of out of horse-shoeing school. I was busy enough that it just made more sense. The The first three years of being a horseshoe are the most dangerous. Dangerous in terms of you getting hurt? Pretty much. One, your, your body's not used to being put in those positions, so your, your body does hurt every day for three years. And it still does, occasionally. <laughs> I was going to say, that's surprising <laughs> if it doesn't still. And then, you're also, you're typically by yourself, and so if you need a horse to be held, there's nobody there to hold it, and so then you just have to pack up and leave and try to come back, so... Yeah, I always like working as a team. Fernando's been with me for eight years. Mm, that's before, a good long time. Before Fernando, I had his his cousin, and he was with me for, I think, six years. Fernando's brother just started working for us. He's been with us a couple of months now. Um, so hopefully he's, they stay with me for a long time. And it's, it's nice to have the help and the extra hands, and it's if there's a horse that doesn't want to really stand that good in the cross ties, then it's... It's no big deal for us just to untie it and hold it and take our time. And, and for safety too, it's it's nicer that if something happens. That there's someone to call the ambulance? Yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had my share of injuries. Yeah. So um, do you want to talk about any of those? Where do we start? Um, <laughs> Maybe ones that stand out the most. Uh, I broke my pinky. I broke my hand. That, that sucked. Yeah, because you also have to take work off when that happens, right? No. 
I mean, you should, but you didn't. You should, you should, no. Yeah. No, I was working on a cast for 14 weeks. Which hand was it? My right hand. And are you right-handed? Yes. Hmm. So did you learn how to be left-handed at that time? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's good for your brain to know both, so. Uh, Because I went back to the hospital after seven weeks, and the doctor told me it wasn't healing properly. Mm. So then they wanted to recast it for another seven weeks. But for the second, I took my hammer in with me. So they could mold the cast kind of around <laughs> my hammer. Did, what did they, they were fine with that? Uh, they're like, just don't tell it. He's like, you're not going to stop working. I was like, no. I was like, but can you just make it so I can hold a hammer better? That's amazing so like, <laughs> that totally, you had the confidence to do that. So they totally hooked me up. I two carpal tunnel surgeries, back to back. Back to back. So you got one done and then right away did the other one. And how long is uh, rehab for that? Uh, that? That was pretty painful. Um, too long? Too long. But I kept working. Kept working. Yep. Um, That's probably why it was too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I, I broke my shoulder uh, four months ago. Ah, that was recent. Uh, yeah, I was walking the horse out of the pasture. This sweet, nice old horse uh, tripped and, and fell on top of me, and I put my arm out to brace my stop my fall, and my shoulder socket just went. Oh the God! Said it, it looked like Pac-Man's mouth. Oh my god! So, <laughs> Bug man's mouth. So, oh. this, so with that, I I did have sh- uh, shoulder surgery. I did take a day off for the surgery. Uh, for the surgery, but not for the rehab afterwards. No, and then I worked in a sling, but because it was my left shoulder, I could still hold tongs mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, sling, mm-hmm. and I could still hammer and clean shoes and shape shoes with everything with the yeah. other side. Yep. Do you do any sort of body work for yourself in terms of chiro or acupuncture or anything? Uh, chiropractic. I try to do once a week, mm, good. if I can. I have a chiropractor that come to my house, or I'm friends with us, so I'll go to their house and have yep. dinner and Pop you real quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like to get a massage, but it's, it's fitting it in is a little tricky. Chiropractic helps me the, the most. Uh, yeah, keep you in line. Yeah, and I, oh, and, um, I started doing yoga. Oh, that is a type of body work because yeah. you are kind of counteracting and building muscles. Yeah, which is really a lot harder than... 100% than, <laughs> than people make it look. One of my clients is a, is a vaulter, mm. a, a, vaulting, a vaulting trainer, and she's up this way, Mary McCormick. And so on the weekends we'll do like a Zoom. Mm, cool. So, so it's a private class. Yeah. And, That's and, very cool. And my son would join me too. And He's trying to do the things. And yeah, and that's awesome. And she's pretty good, and she teaches yoga for all of her vaulting people. Awesome. Well, and as a fair, like as a horse person, she understands probably what poses and different yep. things to counteract the squatting that you're doing all yeah. day. Yeah, and she knows, obviously, my injuries. Mm-hmm. So it's helpful. I, I haven't got back into it since, since breaking my shoulder, but I'm, I think I'm pretty close getting closer to it yeah. yeah did you notice a major difference in your body when you were consistent with it absolutely yeah 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 and definitely. I wasn't quite so fat <laughs> I wish I started doing that like 10 years ago that's okay so, you're doing it now and, uh, <laughs> and yeah I joined a gym so that's you know I think we have to be pretty fit so yeah it certainly helps Yeah, I think the older we're getting, at least for me personally, the older I'm getting, the more I recognize that, like, all of the physical activity is just going to prolong body health. And so why not 
not necessarily yep. to look good or to have a flat stomach or any of that, but just to like keep my body active and in shape. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely helps. And also working as part of a team, you know, we're not bending over for quite so long because we're sharing the responsibilities yep. and, and the workload and, and that's hopefully we'll be able to do this for longer. Yeah. And so what areas do you serve in terms of horse feet? So I live in San Jose. I do go down to Gilroy, mainly Woodside, Portola Valley. That's my, that's my pretty much three days a week. And there's a lot of horses there. Yes. And then once a week we come up to Petaluma, Sonoma. But I don't really go to East Bay just because I don't like the traffic. And then one day we go to, to Santa Cruz like Scotts Valley. Then it's been pretty easy to keep a schedule and... I always leave an appointment when I... my ne the next appointment when I leave. So I'm on every invoice that gets sent out, the next appointment would be on there. Um, so you've kept that since starting, it sounds yeah. like. Yep, I do have um, people that do my billing for me. So I just take a picture of my book at the end of the day and next to every horse and owner there'd be the next appointment day, what we did to that horse any notes or anything else and then they do it and they do all my accounts receivable all that stuff and then they send it to my accountant how soon after starting your business did you start that probably five years in maybe hmm, okay so it took a little bit yeah what influenced that change uh my son because having your son uh-huh okay because my my time is i prefer to spend my time with him and be present and then doing book work. I also have like a personal assistant. I'm going to be shoeing horses and hanging with your son. Everything else. Can, yep, I don't work weekends and just Monday to Friday. Is there anything else within your trajectory that you want to talk about that you didn't yet? I've always wanted to be the farrier that if I was asked to do something by a vet or a trainer, I wanted to be the guy that, yeah, I can do that. So that's kept me continuing my education. If I if I don't know how to do something, I'll, I'll have a friend come show me how to do it. Figure um, it out somehow. Yeah. Yeah, always. So, yeah. You just want to have, is that kind of a specific personality trait in you in general that you like knowing? I just want to be the, the most professional that I can and provide the best service. And That makes sense to me. I think that that stands out in the farrier world in general and, you know, keeping clients happy with the schedule and the communication and all of that as as a horse owner that almost means more to me than the the quality yes of course i want my farrier to be good at doing feet right but the you know working with me keeping on a schedule communicating means so much because i've had that farrier that was kind of like oh i'll be there thursday and then wednesday comes along and they're like oh i can't actually be there let's do friday and i'm like that doesn't work. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes things happen. And, of course. And, uh, and I, always, I always tell friends of mine, like, I always disappoint one woman a day. One woman <laughs> a day. That's less <laughs> than most guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, not always clients. Not always for somebody. <laughs> so let's go into the question. So what is something within the community that you want to see evolve or change? And then how can you help with that if you're not already? Uh, horsemanship, I think, is the number one thing. Lack of it yeah. and hoping that people get back to it. Yeah. Um, and just encouraging young kids to to be a, to be a part and to ask questions. And 
and actually learn. Yeah. Not just the writing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And how can you help influence this change? I think all stuff just communicating with, with, with the kids. Do you ever have kids while you're doing a horse's feet kind of watch you and then you'll kind of bring them in and be like, hey, do you want to look at this? This is the frog or this is, you know? Uh, yes, sometimes um, some parents would, would be just as interested as the kids sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm more than willing to share and talk about what I do and why. And have you ever had a job that wasn't animal related? No. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, I worked in a pub in England. Okay. At the same time that I was working at the zoo. Animals e are your thing. Yeah, even when I was a kid, me and my sister used to like breed rats. Oh. So. To sell? Yeah. Okay. So. Why rats? I had a pet rat and I liked She had it. a pet and, and then, then you were like, and then, well. And then she got one <laughs> and, then, and they had babies. <laughs> oh, an accidental. Then, yes. Okay. Uh, but hers, hers was called Houdini because <laughs> it kept escaping. Okay. Now we know why she had to stay <laughs> Yeah. And then we um, just started our own little business. Breeding. Yeah, <laughs> from like 12, 13 years old. Were your so parents fine with that? Not at the beginning, but yeah, it taught us responsibility at a young age. Yeah, how to care for multiple yeah, rats. Because my parents were not going to do it. So, no. so we had to. Yeah. So you told me what you had changed. So you get to ask me one question. What do you wish farriers do? did more of hmm what do I wish fairs did more of when talking to as many farriers as I have with this podcast and just in general I dated a farrier as well what I think is great in a farrier and that they should do more of is communicate with each other uh -huh. I think that that's a great quality and I really enjoy when farriers are like oh I know this person or I know this person uh -huh. and communicate with each other and are able to refer each other if one is overloaded or different yeah. things like that. I think that that is something locally it feels like more and more the farriers are opening up to that but there are some that are keeping to themselves. They're not doing the continuing education. That's also something that I would like right. farriers to continue doing is continuing education. But yeah I think the two major things would be communicating with each other and, and like in a good positive way, if one person, yeah. you know, doesn't know how to do something to have some camaraderie there. And then the second thing would be the continuing education, which some are, some aren't. Um, and then I would also like farriers to take care of themselves more often and get Cairo and get mm -hmm. acupuncture, yeah. get massage or whatever, because as a horse owner, everyone is very reliant on their farrier, mm -hmm. right? Almost more than the vet, because you have one specific farrier vets a lot of times people have multiple and so just to take care of yourself mentally and physically that's yeah. all people i guess <laughs> yeah I, I i think that's one thing with my business is that because i work as a team it's like last week i went to england for six days mm, and did they carry and for so you a little bit i gave fernando my my book and the keys to my truck and trailer and that's lovely they managed to get a whole bunch done yeah um, we're still a little backed up but by the end of next week, we'll probably be caught up. And yeah. But it, it allows me that, that freedom that to freedom. go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And how do you feel like, why do you feel like you have been able to keep apprentices that long? Because uh, I pay them really good. Oh, I'm easy to work with, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think with apprenticing, it's hard because a lot of times they eventually want their own business. Uh -huh. And a big draw to that is the pay, right? Yeah. A lot of times, apprentice gets two fifty a day. If you're doing your own thing, that's one shoeing. Yeah, 
Like, Fernando has his own business on the side. And Esteban, who used to work for me, he's got his own successful business now. Yeah, ev everybody that, that I've had work for me is now having their own business. Which is the goal, ultimately, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. And it's nice to communicate with them, and if they're not sure about something, then we can talk through the case together, and I want them to succeed. And, and also, if I lose a shoe somewhere, they can go fix it. Yeah, <laughs> you send them out. Or again, like you just said, go on vacation. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thank you for sitting and chatting with me. Thank you. so much for tuning in to today's episode of Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. It always helps to leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Facebook. And if you or someone you know wants to sponsor an episode, please visit www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. Com. See you next week. Stable Connections is sponsored by Black Hound Equestrian. Kate Judiger and Morgan Kaplan offer an elite hunter-jumper program at a private facility on 68 acres in East Bay, California. At Black Hound Equestrian, you'll find Grand Prix jumpers, top-level hunters, and a team approach that ensures each horse and rider get the personalized attention they need to maximize their potential. Riders of all ages are welcome and space is limited. Please visit blackhoundequestrian.com or email blackhoundstaff at gmail.com. Stable Connections is sponsored by Elk Grove Milling Incorporated, the trusted maker of Stable Mix Complete Feeds. Stable Mix products are available in most Western states through Tractor Supply, and their classic barrel program is available at your local California feed stores. Contact Stable Mix representatives at 916-684-2056 for personalized feeding recommendations on how to stretch your hay supply or provide complete nutrition to have a healthier, happier horse. Visit www.elkgrovemilling.com.